Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith that we may evermore be defended from all adversities through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. Thus says the wisdom of God, Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, when he had not yet made earth and fields, nor the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. The Gospel reading is from John chapter 16, beginning at verse 12. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If there's one icon from the Eastern Orthodox tradition which most people are likely to have seen, it's probably the one by Rublev, a 15th century Russian artist. 
It symbolises the Holy Trinity. Three graceful figures sit around three sides of a table, under a small tree. Their faces are the same, and they're all wearing something blue, the colour of the heavens. But apart from that, each of them is dressed in a different colour. The one on the left wears a gold cloak. That's God the Father. Behind the table we see Christ in a brown tunic, the colour of the earth he came to save. And the third wears green, the colour of growth, which the Holy Spirit brings. The Son and the Spirit turn their heads towards the Father, as if they're deep in companionable conversation. This icon has been reproduced many times and copied and adapted by other artists. Rublev wouldn't have worried about that, because his icon isn't original either. Icons come in a standard form, with particular expectations of what they'd include and how the figures in them would be arranged, however different their details were. And the icon Rublev based this one on was called the Hospitality of Abraham. It was a particular type of icon. It portrayed the Old Testament story of three mysterious divine visitors who come apparently out of nowhere to tell Abraham that he and his wife Sarah are finally going to have the child God had promised them long before. Abraham offered them food and drink, as you would any traveller in that culture, and they sat in the shade of the oak trees to eat together with him. These three visitors have long been interpreted by Christians as prefiguring the Holy Trinity. And Rublev removed the figures of Abraham and Sarah, often part of the traditional composition, to make that point even more obvious. This is his attempt to picture the Godhead. There's a long-standing wariness in Jewish and Christian thought about trying to picture God. It's there in the second of the Ten Commandments, forbidding people to make graven images. The minute we make an image of God, whether in stone, on paper or just in our heads, we risk limiting God to the size of our own imagination. God is like this, we say, and therefore the implication is God is not like that. That's why for so many people he's an old, bearded, white man on a cloud, made in the image of those who've traditionally been powerful in the world. But the Bible encourages us to find God at work in a myriad of ways, to see him in his creation and in every person, including those who are regarded as weak and small in the eyes of the world. So whenever we see an image of God, we have to be cautious we have to take it with a pinch of salt. But nonetheless, I think Rublev's image can be a gateway into contemplation and prayer. It can mean many different things to different people, or to the same people at different times. But I'd like to offer two thoughts about it on this Trinity Sunday. The first is the sheer companionability of the relationship we're looking in on. The three figures of the Trinity, as I said earlier, are deep in conversation. It's as if we've stumbled across them in a private moment, just as they settle down to take the weight off their feet. 
They aren't sitting in forbidding silence, gazing out at us judgmentally, putting us on the spot. It's a friendly image. At the heart of the Godhead, it tells us, is a relationship of love and delight. That fits with the image in our first reading today, too. In it, the figure of wisdom, often associated with the Holy Spirit, speaks about God's act of creation. She was there with him, she says, rejoicing with him. And it sounds like it was wonderfully playful fun. In the Gospel reading, too, Jesus tells us that the Father, Son and Spirit are in harmony. They know each other's hearts. They can finish each other's sentences. They can say what they know the others would say. God isn't lonely, sitting in an endless emptiness, needing our company to distract him, like a bored, capricious monarch who might just fly off the handle if he isn't entertained or praised enough. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want our company. And that's the second thing the picture says to me. Three sides of the table are occupied. But the fourth side, the side nearest to us, is deliberately left empty. The Trinity have left us a space to join them if we want to. There's a place at the table for us, plenty of room for us to pull up a chair and join them. Each of us, all of us, are welcome, says this image, just because we are who we are, who God has made us to be. Wisdom proclaimed in that Old Testament reading that she was delighting in the human race when we were made. We aren't a chore or a pain or a problem. God's creation is a delight to God. And that surely should make it all the difference to the way we treat it too. Back in the 17th century, a writer called Thomas Traherne said this, What a world would this be, were everything beloved as it ought to be? He'd lived through the English Civil War, so he certainly knew what it looked like when people weren't beloved. When neighbours turned on neighbours and families were torn apart, fighting on different sides against each other. Traherne knew that the key to a peaceful and just world lay in the conviction that everyone and everything was beloved. Forgetting that others are as precious as we are and feel the same emotions we do dehumanises them. It makes them seem disposable and that's often the first step to abusing and enslaving them. Forgetting that the world around us is the handiwork of God desecrates it. It literally removes its sacredness in our eyes. And that makes it easier to convince ourselves that it's just there for us to use and exploit as we wish. What a world would this be were everything beloved as it ought to be? Rublev's icon of the Trinity proclaims that everyone and everything is beloved to God that everyone and everything is invited and welcomed by God. There's room at the table for all. That's beautiful news for us personally, especially if we're a bit tentative about approaching God. But it goes far beyond that. It's also a profoundly political statement. How can we treat others as if they don't matter 
if God gives them the same welcome he gives to us? How can we marginalise the homeless, the disabled, the refugee who literally washes up on our shores looking for safety, when God has given them an invitation to his banquet with their name written on it in gold letters? Sometimes people say that the church should stay out of politics, but my answer to that is that I will when God does. Jesus said that he came to bring life in all its fullness, here and now, and in his life and his death he challenged all that kept people from that, poverty, prejudice, injustice, oppression. He insisted that everyone should be able to feel at home and at ease in the world, the banqueting table we all share. So today, as we celebrate the mystery of the Trinity, I pray that Rublev's picture will draw us closer to the companionable, loving heart of God, that we'll step forward with confidence to take our place with him, woven into his love. But I pray too that it will help us to make sure that no one is left behind, so that we bring the whole of God's creation and all his people with us too. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.